Welcome to Amidon Planet. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to learn how to teach better. Today on episode 94 of the podcast, I'm talking about teaching about talking. Yeah. More specifically, I'm talking to my son, who Noah Amidon, who is a graduate of Oxford High School, a member of Oxford High School's speech and debate team. Uh, he happens to be the highest point earner in team history. He's an academic All-American, degree of premier distinction, which is the highest degree a student can earn in the National Speech and Debate Association. And I'm talking to him about learning how to teach better. So let me set the stage. For the two weeks in the past month, I've had the opportunity to serve as a judge in two national speech and debate tournaments. The first was the National Catholic Forensic League Championships in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and then the second one was last week. It was in Phoenix, Arizona, where I was judging the National Speech and Debate Association Championships. Uh, I was never in speech and debate in high school, though maybe now that uh, I, I love doing podcasts, maybe there was a spot for me somewhere. I just just never did it. Anyway, during the pandemic, my son got involved uh, with speech and debate and just fell in love with it and, was, and achieved a, a degree of success, obviously, from uh, some of those accolades I, I mentioned before. Humble brag about my son. Um and just now on the periphery and seeing all the different things he was doing with the writing and the, you know, the, the competing where during the pandemic, it was a lot of him uh, in his room, like dressed with a, a suit on the, his top and maybe shorts on his, uh, on the bottom because it was on Zoom. Anyway, uh, and then going to, back to face-to-face uh, tournaments uh, throughout his junior and senior year and just, again – seeing the passion that he had for the activities and then then also getting exposed to it through uh, participating as a judge in these events where that you need to, as a team, you need to bring judges to events and, and again, just trying to uh, fill a need in, in some of those spots. And so, and, and just being an ob- observer of, of what was happening, it was kind of amazing some of these lessons that I saw about good teaching that was occurring within his team and what I was seeing at these tournaments. And so wanted to have a conversation about it, um, had an opportunity to talk to him uh, uh, in a nice summer day uh, in his room. And so we recorded this episode. So I'm not going to delay anymore. Um, Again, thankful for Noah sharing his time uh, here, but here's my talk with Noah Amidon talking about lessons learned about teaching from his experiences and my experiences uh, being exposed to on the periphery about speech and debate. Noah Amidon, welcome back to Amidon Planet. How are you? I'm doing well. Feels good to be back. Actually, maybe you never leave Amidon Planet. Maybe you kind of <laughs> exist on Amidon Planet. Yeah, it, it is our uh, our family group chat. So I guess I'm just constantly in orbit. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's good. Hey, so I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about um, lessons. So, you know, Amazon Planet is about learning how to teach better. And I was thinking about something profound that your coach, uh, Ryan Bankston, said when you, and I'll just uh, humble brag for you, got second place in the NCFL public forum event in Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. So... Wait, let's just, just get that right. You were you and Ficker. Yes. What's Ficker's full name? Uh, Ficker Bayana. Ficker Bayana got second place in public forum, which is a two v two speech or debate event. Yes. All about what? Um, using facts and evidence to try and win win an argument, more so targeted at the layman. Okay. 
So you you did really well in that at the National Catholic For- Forensics League Championship in Louisville, Kentucky, a couple weeks ago. Yes. And uh, your coach Ryan Bankston mentioned to me like that it's kind of a weird speech and debate is weird, and the fact is the coach rarely, if ever, gets to see you perform. Yes, correct. Right? Yes. <laughs> Which is is kind of kind of profound. And so like and and also too, there's been a lot of success with your speech and debate team, uh, you know, your second place with Ficker was, it was outstanding, but there's been a lot of success, but thinking about how do you help coach somebody up in a, in a, in some, in a place where you don't get to see them do the thing that you're helping them or facilitating them doing. And so I was just, so it just made me think about all the different things that, uh, you know, with, over the past year and a half, maybe judging speech and debate events and seeing you uh, prepare or even during the pandemic, hearing you in your room, in this room where we're recording, like yelling into a computer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while you were competing during the pandemic and just, you know, seeing all that and just having all that exposure, like there's some lessons to be learned about learning how to teach better uh, from this experience. And so wanted to have you on. I've got some lessons that I think I've learned, but I want to see what you think about them with regards to learning how to teach better. What do you think? All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So I don't think that any of these are particular profound or new, but I think that they reinforce some best practices uh, that I know exists, but uh, deserve to be repeated. All right. Okay. So one is the first one I want to say is empower, which, which in other words, don't hoard power. So um, thinking about, like your the way that your speech and debate team is like run is almost like as you grow and you you know in your uh, experience or basically move through high school, like you become the experts at something, and basically your coach has empowered you all to help the next generation in that event. So like if public forum, like you're helping prep the the next people with their with their cases and things so that they're ready for the next event or even how to do the event. Um, it feels like that is the kind of the environment that has been created. What, what do you think about that? Oh, yes, entirely. So, yeah, like that's how we at least we try to run our team um, entirely based off of how can we that have been around and have found success, how can we pass down the lessons that got us to our success um, and teach others? Um, in fact, like our entire way that our leadership structure works, um, we don't when we when we look for leaders within our team and look to give leaders titles in our team. We don't look to be like who would be good at, at doing this, who would be the best person who could lead public forum and teach people how to do public forum or or policy debate or lingo debate or it's, et cetera. What we try to do is we try to look for the leaders who have already. He stepped up within our team. So right now we had a really good crop of sophomores and juniors and we were like, okay, these people have been leaders in our team already. They don't have a title. They're just members of our team, but we've seen what they've already done for leadership. And so what, what we do is we try, we, again, we empower them. We're like, Hey, what you're doing is good. Let's give you the title to reflect what you've already been doing. Um, instead of the opposite of way around, which I, in my experience, or in my view, it actually creates better leaders because you aren't just assigning leadership to a person who you think would be a good leader. You're assigning leadership to a person who has been a good leader. Yeah, and I, I want to see. And so, um, in my my work as a teacher of teachers, I've actually heard somebody say, like, don't even say the word empower. 
it's actually just saying <laughs> it's not empowering because you already have power. Yes. It's not taking your power away from you. Correct. Versus I think that there are, you know, in, in when you go to a national tournament or a couple national tournaments, you can see how some coaches and just like teachers can be take that power away. Like, no, no, no. I will tell you how to run your cases. I'm going to tell you how you run this event versus no, that power is remained within you, the competitors and the students and the team to pass along best practice. Cause again, <laughs> you know, it's best cause you're actually in the room and getting the ju- the judges notes and every, uh, oh, you're yeah. seeing what's successful. Oh, yeah, and even like when and on that, that point about like case writing, um, What's case? Oh, what, so, so like, so whenever you are um, preparing for an event, uh, most in most debate, use the example of the public. What was your public forum? Uh, um, so, in our last public forum tournament, our topic was AI in education has more benefits than harms. Like, probably something that's been talked about on this podcast. I'm not sure, but a big topic in education. Wow, you haven't really um, been listening, but we haven't talked oh, about wow, that yet. Where it's coming yet. up, coming right. up, future episode of Amazon Planet. <laughs> Um, but most of them aren't as education focused, but that one was, um, but anyway, so what that means is we have to create a pro side of that, that resolution and a con side of that resolution. And so you basically have to write that from scratch as a debater. Um, so for me, who's been doing public forum for three years, that comes a little bit easier to me. And I, I, how me and my partner, we have a more, a better idea of an understanding on like how to write a case that wins. Um, we know how to link to um to to create uh warrants just like statements of cl- like claims and then go from cl- like uh claimed fact and linking that all the way to a massive impact which in our case the uh for the case that got us all the way to the final round was linking into AI in education can solve racism big impact um and an w- impact that we knew that we could win with um so that's what an experienced debater knows now we I'm going to use a term novices. I'm probably going to use that a bunch, but a novice in speech and debate is somebody who it's their first year of competing. So our novices, they walk into to our room at the beginning of the year and I, and their first topic in public forum debate was about high speed rail and basically more benefit. High speed rail has more benefits than harms. And the cases that they, they were, were writing and under our guidance, we let them just like run amok with them. And some of these cases were like, oh, okay, you, you can do that. Um, that's a correct way to write a case. Um, in back of my head, I'm like, ooh, this might might not work. But I'm not going to be the one to tell them, hey, at your first tournament, you don't want to run this. You're not going to win with this because it is important in, in order to let someone learn and to learn from their own mistakes. And then afterwards, after the tournament, when they because they could have won a bunch of rounds or they could have could have maybe only won one round and lost four. Then after tournament, we can look through through their ballots, their the judge feedback, and be like, hey, maybe if you connect your arguments a, a different way, maybe if you make that middle part of your argument stronger, um, or maybe you need to make the end part of the stronger. Maybe you need to make the impacts that tell the judge why they should vote for your side stronger. And so it's really so that's something that I find really important is to yes, it's it's different. At first, when you don't know anything about the event, you're going to fail, and you're going to not know exactly how to. And I, as a as a, a captain of our team, I could tell them, "Hey, this is what you need to do to write." I could give them a case. I could give them the case that I was running in the varsity bracket, but they would, if I did that, they would never get to the point where they could then 
write like have the potential to write a case for someone who's a novice. Um, but I hope that they would never do that because of the lesson that I showed them. This is amazing. This is exactly what I'm going to be going into uh, on my 13th year, 12th, whatever, uh, you're here at the university and teaching teachers. And that's what you just said, where you're like giving them space to fail, which is uh, it's like a four letter F word. Um, the, in school sometimes, letting people fail in order to learn from that mistake. So just making a mistake and learning from those mistakes and giving them the freedom to do that rather than going in like a helicopter and be like, no, uh, let's stop there. Don't make that mistake. Don't uh, do this instead. Blah, 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 versus like they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. Vers- and so you're giving them a formula where they don't even know why they need that formula versus later they'd be like, hmm, Man, Noah, I think I need some help learning how to strengthen my end because I think my middle is good. Or, or oh, what do you think about how we ran this case? And so, like, giving again, giving them power to fail, right? Power to make yeah. mistakes and learn from the mistakes versus stealing that from them and then them having the aha, like, oh, I was doing really well until here. Now I need help with that, and now there's like a need, a necessity. And that's a necessity principle is something where you've created an environment where they see the need for something versus if you would have stepped in and done every single step along the way, they don't see that need. Yeah. Oh, and, and it also like it helps me also learn more about the event and how to be successful because, yeah, like sometimes I look at these novice cases and I'm like, I have no clue what you're doing with this. Like, I don't know who's ever going to vote with this, but I just I, I hold my tongue and then they go and they win a bunch of ballots. And I'm like, whoa, Um like they've taken it on a completely different approach, but it's working. Yeah. And so then I get to learn more about the event. I'm like, okay, how can I incorporate some of this strategy into my own? Because they're, they're coming to this event with fresh eyes. I'm, I definitely have old eyes when it comes to public forum. I've been doing it for three years and I'm like, and so I have, I have a methodical system in my head about how it's supposed to look. And then they come and they don't have that methodical system. They're just like, Oh, like we're going to win this argument this way. And I'm like, okay, that's not the typical way, but when it when it comes back and gives them results, I'm like, okay, how can I then incorporate some of what they've done into my own work? That's again, that's another great thing because I mean, when you see something and allow uh, someone's brilliance to shine versus like causing them to change track or do something else where they're 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 not willing to be experimental. Where I'm guessing you can see that. I'm just putting a guess out there that there's some teams don't name them. Some teams where you know exactly how they're going to run cases because that's the blank school way of debating. So maybe no. That's okay. To I agree know. with half of that statement. Okay. Um, the teams. This yes. is what it's like to live with a debater. Anyway, yeah. Go so, ahead. Yeah. So the teams. Yes. Um, like definitely. There's a the, flavor to the team. Oh yeah, it's like you know this team is going to bring something that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all bring it though. It, no, no. So, well, I mean, like the the partnership themselves. Oh, gotcha. So when okay. I yeah, sorry. When I meant teams, I mean the partnership themselves. Um, that's another distinction. Is like when you're talking, like if I'm talking about uh, another school, you yeah. never say like, like like yes, you'd be like I'm just gonna use an example like the Oak Grove team, like you just refer to that as like the school, um, while the team would be the individual group Got of it. partners. Okay. So sorry, that's my vernacular. Brain. Yes. Um, okay. So anyway, so if if I'm up against a certain duo um, of, of partners, I, I, I can kind of usually expect what they're going to be running, um, whether it be an argument that like 
everyone because I'm I'm a part of multiple debate discord servers and reddit pages and threads and and there's also all these like evidence briefs that are out there and so there's some arguments that we call stock because it's like everyone has them it's the kind of the most obvious uh, arguments to reach and there's just tons and tons of evidence on it so there's certain teams where it's just like I know if I go up against them that they're going to run a stock argument uh but some of them will be they'll actually they'll do a stock argument and they're going to win with it some you'll be like they're going to run a stock argument and I'll be able to bulldoze them with my pre- my prepared prep mm. um and then there's other teams where it's like I have no clue what to expect um there's and where it's either like yeah it's going to be really really good or I I just like it's it, it's a wild card. Um, so yes, there definitely is like some expectations you can have when you go up against other teams. Um, but I would say not necessarily schools, um, uh, just because there is a lot of independence within our, within each school. Like the way that I, I debate is entirely different than how, um, a, the other main public forum team from our school debates. Hmm. Um, the, our case, right. Like our cases, if you held them up next to each other, it would be completely different. Interesting. So that, I mean that, uh, that leads into another thing I'm going to get to in just a sec, but just to keep going on with the empower piece, um, there's something called a community of practice. And I, I see what you're doing with speech and debate or how speech and debate is structured at, at, at the, at the school is like a community of practice where we're trying, like you literally have the term novices and that's what you would say, like a novice or someone who's peripherally participating, like, and you're saying like, Hey, you just, go in and try doing it. You're going to try and do the actions and use the tools that we would use, maybe not in a, uh, an experienced way or a, a, a knowledgeable way, but you're, Hey, let's go for it. Just get into it and just start making a mess. But like, as you're saying, it's interactions between more experienced and less experienced folks. And as you, and even to inviting in these competitions where you're interacting with folks from other institutions, because like as a, at these national tur- tournaments, you kind of see how Mississippi kids are kind of hanging out together and maybe even talking back and forth about, hey, what's might be best to to do in certain situations, possibly. Yeah. Um, but then uh, and then seeing like how you um, how you move forward is by those interactions like, oh, you're going to do try something and then you learn something. So you get to be more experienced. So you're all moving more central in this community of practice. So like becoming more expert as you move it along, your interactions with a novice team might seem like, well, they're moving ahead and well, you wouldn't move ahead, but you, like you just said, you learn something. So you even grow as you're coaching them up or learning something and seeing how they're being successful within that. Um, and then see also too how you're providing tools. So like the empowering of providing tools, you talked about what, Reddit and Discord servers and yes, yeah, interactions cases. that I have with the debate mafia that yeah exists the underworld yeah so all that and then even too this idea of challenging the process where even I've heard you know and again you're on, I've been on buses that have gone all the way to New Orleans I've been in uh, with you all for a week in Phoenix last week and or and then around in Louisville during the NCFL championships um, and hearing about these different sort of things that people could do. So I, I say that's like kind of a challenge the process sort of thing where you feel like you have a power. If you are empowered, if you have your power, if your power is not taken from you, then you can challenge the process where you can run cases where you're, you are coming out of left field. You mm-hmm. can like do things that are, uh, hmm, this is within the bounds of the, the event, but we're going to do something a little bit different. Like, do you have any examples of that? 
Um, well, yeah, like the, the first example that exactly comes to mind, and you're probably thinking this too, is the, the, this original oratory piece that we saw mm. at, um, in Phoenix, yeah. um, where it was, where it, the entire premise of it was I'm following the rules of this event, but I'm not following the made up rules. Mm. Um, because that exists so much throughout debate is these quote unquote, like, Rules. We would call that the hidden curriculum. Yes. Yeah. Like in speech and debate, you're supposed to wear a suit. Nowhere in the NSDA rulebook does it say that. In speech and de- in this this type of speaking style, you're supposed to have your three points that you walk in a triangle with. You can find that nowhere in the NSDA rulebook. Yeah. Like and there's all literally these- people. You see people walk in a triangle, and that is like what they call that. It's it's it, it comes from extemporaneous speaking, so it's called the extemp triangle, but it's used in almost every event. Yeah, okay. All right. Um. But yeah, there's all of these like just made up rules. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. The second is, um, wh- I mean, my my own um, congressional debater uh, mentee. Um, can I use his name? Sure. All right. Uh, I'm just gonna Tommy. Um, who Tommy just absolutely destroyed the competition in NSDA this weekend. Um, he's a sophomore, but he placed top ten in the nation in congressional debate in the House of Representatives. Yeah. Um, which is a really big deal. Came from a field of about five or six hundred. Um, an amazing finish. And for, yeah, 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 finished and, at ten. So yeah, two, two, uh, bringing in from two different championships, bringing home hardware is is a is a great thing for yeah. the team. Anyway, keep oh, yeah. going. So yeah, Tommy is very very skilled in his event um, of co- congressional debate, which is what I am captain of and what I my primary my primary focus is when when um, teaching um, novices and varsity team members um, is congressional debate. And I'll tell you firsthand. I hate the way Tommy does Congress. <laughs> like every time he gets up to speak, I have a little bit of a heart attack. Um, Cause it's, it's not the style that I personally use. It's not the style that anyone else in that, in that final round used. Um, it's just, it's, it's his. Yeah. And it clearly does well. Um, but it's definitely like not what is typical. Um, and I think that is so, so interesting um, because it's like, you don't have to follow these made up rules. Cause it's like, and you, you'll attest to this cause you watched a, a little bit of that round. It's like every other person in the room was doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. But then Tommy gets up there and it's just like, it's a breath of fresh air for, for all the judges and for everyone else, because he's not just getting up there re- reading off his legal pad, reciting evidence. No, he's using a bunch of rhetorical appeals, um, really challenging every other debater in the room. Um, and that's just what's so impressive and how he's, he's kind of looked at this event and just made it his own and, and is, is not just fallen into the trap of doing what everyone else does. Yeah. And, it, and I think that gets another thing too, is like tapping into like the empowering or not taking away someone's power is finding them opportunities to, um, to show their brilliance. And I think, yeah, Tommy's got some brilliance that he got to showcase, uh, in that event, but yeah, but yeah, differences. <laughs> and even too seeing, I, got, I had the opportunity to see you doing public forum. And, um, so in, uh, in speech and debate events, you put a, a paradigm for how you judge. And one of the things I say about judging is I want someone to be slow and deliberate in their speaking. <laughs> and so that I can hear their points so I can properly evaluate them. And Noah does something called spreading. What is spreading Noah? Oh, I don't say I'd spread. Um, but Noah, <laughs> You you haven't you haven't seen a policy round. Policy round, it's like un, not understandable. Okay. Um, I, and I spreading don't is, is basically just 
talking faster, you can get more words out. Because um, in public form, you only get four minutes to talk in your rebuttal speech. Um, so you and you, you used every single minute. Oh yeah, you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, like our constructive case, my partner reads off at a, a normal pace, um, and it's typically like two or three, two and a half pages long. Um, my rebuttal speech that I gave in the same amount of time, um, both four minutes, was about twelve pages. <laughs> So anyway, get to do what you, and again, that's allowing the freedom, right? Versus someone might say, you know, Tommy, you got to do it like everybody else or Noah, slow down. And like, versus no, hey, you've been successful in this way and you get to experience it in order to, you know, do your own thing, do, do how you want to do it. And I I like that as part of speech and debate. And then that, that kind of leads into, the next one where I say suggest, don't tell. So we talk about power, we talk about suggest. And so it's similarly of not taking away power, but like when you say suggest, don't tell, um, there is something about what I call the power of the door. Um, So like teachers, like you can suggest that a teacher does something, but eventually they can shut their door and they can teach how they want to teach, right? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, yes, there might be the walkthrough, but again, the majority of the time that teachers have do have a lot of power on how they can uh, proceed. So like thinking about you too is like, you know, Coach Bank, it'd be funny to, to think of Coach Bankston as like some sort of dictator, <laughs> like telling you exactly how you're going to do something. But then eventually you go into competition. No one else is, it's just you and the judge, you, the, uh, the competition and the judges. Yes. You can do whatever you want, yeah. right? So there is some sort of power of the door. Um, do you find that weird that that whole thing about not your coach never really sees you competing. Yeah, it is kind of, it, it is, it is odd when you look at it in the perspective of other, um, other sports and activities, um, that yes, like your coach is supposed to, to, to lead you, but also like has no idea what you're doing. Like even in final rounds, which are typically open, it is extremely rare to see a coach in that room, except if it's like a national final round. Yeah. Um, even, even going like even at nationals like um, when we were at, at, at the NCFL tournament um, for the last like from what once we once we broke into elimination rounds all those rounds were open to coaches and observers but I I don't remember seeing like anyone um, who was a coach of the other team actually in those rooms hmm. um, and I I almost wonder if that is sort like on one hand there is limitations because because often at local tournaments coaches are are judges. Um, each team is, has a required judge quota, so they're, the coaches are responsible. Yeah, they're for, busy. They're doing. They're other busy. Things. They're 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 yeah. They're watching other students compete. Um, but also, I I I honestly do think it is a benefit um, to the student that they don't have their coaches in the rooms with them, um, because then it it does allow for more of a uh, a less pressure system because you don't have to listen to exactly what your coach does. At the end of the day. It's up to you, the competitor, on what you're you're going to say in that room, or wh- or how you're going to perform your piece, um, and I think that's really important in um, in the activity of speech and debate. Um, and it's not like coaches are completely blind from what's happening. Um, after each round, students are given a ballot full of feedback, and that's accessible by, to them and their coach. Um, and then, as captains of our team, um, the captainship, um, which are essentially other lower level coaches, um, we also have access to those ballots, um, or we're given access by our, uh, by Mr. Bankston, um, to those ballots. So we, 
we aren't completely blind to all that's happening in the room. Um, and we are able to read the ballot and especially from a student's perspective, um, who's been there before. So from my perspective as a captain, I can, I read a ballot. I see what this judge says. I might even know the judge cause they might've judged me before, but I, there are definitely buzzwords within that ballot and things that I see. I, I, like I, when I read a ballot, I can immediately pinpoint exactly what this judge is trying to say. Um, if they weren't being entirely clear and tell someone, Hey, this is why this judge didn't like you or, or voted you down or, or ranked you last in a round. If it's speech events, which are ranked, which are six performers ranked one through six, I can read this ballot and tell you exactly like what this judge was thinking. Um, and you don't have to see it. And I actually, I, I would even go to argue that this is actually a better system than the coach being in the back of the room because at the end of the day, the coach is not casting a ballot, right? It's the judges that are casting a ballot. And so, and you don't have to, to, to win over, do what your coach thinks is right. You have to do what the judge thinks is right. right. So I think reading the judge's ballot and seeing how you perform from the judge's perspective is honestly so much more effective than having the coach in the back of the room and, and could be much, much better um, than if the coach was in there and be like, oh, well, you just got robbed. Like, I think like you did everything to a T and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, like, I don't know what happened. Like, you should have won that round. You were definitely the best person in the room. Well, that's not helpful because the judge was the one casting the ballot, and they clearly didn't think that you won. Right. So same thing for like uh, in a basketball game. It's like, oh, you got fouled. Well, the whistle didn't blow. So there was no foul, right? Yeah. Like that's sort of the same thing there where, you know, you can't really make something up. It's like, what is the, what is the bar? The bar is that, that judge that's right across from you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think, again, the power of the door, I think that suggests a lot opens up creativity. We kind of already touched on that the idea of creativity and being able to um, have some space in order to do things that, again, fit your skill sets. But also, too, I hear a lot of I see in you statements, like that shoulder tapping where it's like, you know, probably with a lot of novices when they're trying to find their events, um, you know, and saying like, yeah, you tried this, but maybe I see in you uh, as a policy debater or I see in you as a um, extent debater. Like what, what do you think about that, about the idea of those I see in you statements? I think they are incredibly important. Um, particularly in speech and debate, because at every single tournament, there's probably like 14 to 16 events going on. I would have to count them out, but, and you, you, you as a person are only able to enter in a maximum of four. So you can enter an event in, in like, and think, Oh, I really like this event. Like this, this is a lot of fun, but just keep on getting bad ranks. Um, and so it is important for those of us who have been around the block, who have done a lot of these events and if not have done them, have watched them, um, or have seen the people who have succeeded in this event, be able to read the ballots and be like, you know what? Like, I I know you, I know you really like Congress, but I've seen you do Congress and yes, I, you really like it. And yes, you're really good at the preparedness of it. Like we have one novice who just loves Congress would die on that hill but lacks some of the certain skills that, 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 that translate to being very, very good at Congress. However, I'm not, however, the, the, the preparedness ability that they have currently going to Congress, the dedication they have for that could make them an incredible debater in, in my opinion, policy debate, um, which requires just a ton and ton of research and preparedness. Um, and then also thinking on the fly, but not ha- but also you, you get more reliance on your notes but that's because you're going to be speaking for a ton more time and there's more reliance on the, on the, on the preparedness than 
speaking off the cuff of your um, sleeve. Yeah. And so in, given all those different events on the, especially the speech side, I mean, there's some where you have things memorized, some of them where you're speaking extemporaneously, some of it where you have a little bit of prep time. And uh, like, it's kind of amazing. I think the first event I ever judged was, what's the one where you get two topics and you get seven minutes? Impromptu. Impromptu. Three topics. Yeah. Three topics. You have to pick one. You get seven minutes. And within that seven minutes, you need to have a... You get, yeah, you get, so within that seven minutes, you decide how long you're going to, so, sorry, within the seven minutes, you have to prepare and give a speech. So, like, part of that seven minutes, you're just staying there silently. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you as a speaker get to choose how much time you prepare with. Yeah, and so that's where, you know, you see, like, <laughs> I mean, in some of the, I think one of them was, like, the Avengers and oil, oil field or oil pipeline. Like, it was, like, three different things that were, like, completely unrelated. And someone had to, like, go up and give a speech. And I was like, well, this should be interesting. And it was. It was really interesting, like, how those things yeah. went. Uh, versus other things where they're splicing together different uh, pieces of either literature or songs mm-hmm. or something like that in order to. You had one. What was it called? Shoes? Oh, yeah. Um, what's, that, what's that event called? Yeah, I did. I. I've competed in poetry interpretation throughout my time. Um, and yeah, I had, I've had pieces on shoes, on white privilege, on anxiety. Um, I had one that was just like a Shel Silverstein poem that I read aloud. That wasn't that good. Um, but <laughs> like yeah. the shoes one, it was like different songs about shoes that you put together. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I had seven different sh- songs about shoes that like I kind of let my spliced together. by run DMC. Yes. Yes. What, Wings um, by Macklemore. Yeah. Yeah. One? Um, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember. I actually never actually performed that piece. Um, so, oh. so if anyone wants a hey, free poetry piece, uh, it, it, it's a, it's unperformed, pre-cut. <laughs> um, just hit me up. It only costs seven hundred dollars. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we're just giving out ideas here. Yeah. Um, so empower, suggest, and then the one thing I I learned from this too. Again. Not that we're creating anything new, but just like re- it's, I'm hearing a lot of stuff that's reinforcing some best practices on teaching. Um, and I think like suggest don't tell. I'm seeing that as like the number one way to parent teenagers. Like, for example, you, if I tell you to do like if I tell you to do something that you think is exactly wrong, that's not that's going to go poorly. Oh, yeah. At this point in time, because one, you're a skilled debater and, and it become a debate versus, hey, let's go do this thing together. What about this? What do you think about doing it this way? Like to to like go side by side with someone, see what they're seeing, and then offer suggestions that might benefit them versus like saying directly, hey, need you to do this and and not having any sort of uh you know, sort of skin in the game on making that decision. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that's that's uh I would say that's tough for for me, um not to respond to, but uh to do myself. Um, is a suggest don't tell. I, I do, um, but it is extremely important. Again, like when, when we talk about like how each person's stuff is individualized, right? Um, and so like it, it does require like mental reservation to be like, all right, like, you know what? Like I can, t- I can, I can let you know as much of, of the things I want about your piece. Like we do speech practice. Um, we try to we try to do it once a week. It sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't happen. Um, but it is just like all right, like, here's what, like, it's just the entire room is just firing off comments. And it's like, take what you want. Yeah. Take what you, like, you don't That's want. Right. Like, there's going to be a, and often, like, uh, with these speech practices, it's like, like, 
I think I think you shouldn't do this in your piece. Like I I don't I don't I don't think this part's good. Change it, cut it, whatever. Then someone else is like, well, that was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it, again, in such a subjective event, because it's like at the end of the day, you're being judged by a person. It's entirely subjective. It's the most subjective it can be. There's like no one should win. In fact, if there's you, not like a right answer, there's no right answer. If you look at the final ballots of of all of these national championship rounds, there is no consensus from anyone right. on who the winner should be, on who second place should be, on who third place, and so on and so forth. There's zero consensus, um, and so it's entirely subjective. And so it is important to do to to suggest not tell because. I, I can say this is the way that you win my ballot. This is the way that, that, that you would be the first in every single round that I was judging. But I'm not every single judge. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I can't tell them that. And no one can tell them that. Right. And that's what it's kind of fun because, again, you had a chance to judge a lot of events in the, uh, at NCFL. And, like, you went back and looked at my ballots. And some of them were... I was on the split side, some of them where I was on the side, like I was the only one that was on the opposite side of the winner. Yeah. And so it was like, but it's not like I was wrong. Oh, it's just my interpretation. So anyway, um, at least I hope not. (laughs) The final one uh, that I had was listen. Um, Mm. And so the expect brilliance. So like you kind of said something soon like before where you know you didn't get in the way of a novice doing something that you're like mm, i didn't quite get that but like you try that and they try it and it happens so it's like that that opportunity for either one like there's it's like a win-win situation where they're either going to they'll win with it or they'll learn from it yes like either way some brilliance will happen where they'll they'll gain brilliance by learning from their mistake or they'll see like oh what we did, which maybe was unconventional, like worked. And okay, now how do we how do we name what we did so that you can keep doing it? And then um, just that idea of expecting brilliance from some of those situations. Yeah. Um, so I think so. I think a, a unique example, at least from this past year, has been the world of policy debate. So policy debate is a very unique debate style. Um, I say it's unique, but it's also like the oldest debate style. Um, all the other forms of debate have actually came up in the past, like 20 or so, 20, 30, 40 years. Policy debate has been around since the 1920s. Um, but it is, it's a very unique debate style. Um, and our school just hasn't done it. We haven't done it. And well, at least, it, the, what do you do? They, they give you like, so they, they give you a resolution. Um, and so in this case, it was like the U.S. Uh, should increase its cooperation in NATO in one of these four areas. And I can't remember what the four areas were. Um, but then the affirmative, their job is to create create the plan. So it's like the how affirmative. Into, jo- how do you put it into practice? Exactly. Like how 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 should the, the U.S. increase its cooperation with NATO? And then they pick like pick or choose some of the four areas. Um, and then but like further explain like like they should give a million dollars to this fund or like a mm. billion dollars to like increasing like AI or I, I don't know. Um that's the point. I don't know. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't know anything about this debate style. No one on our team knows anything about this debate style. Um, and yeah, we just, we just don't know. But this year we were like, you know what? Like when we go to tournaments, there's these things called sweeps points. And it's basically like, how does, how does a school win a tournament? Well, you have teams, individual debaters and, uh, speakers collect points by like doing well. And then they like, they, 
accumulate all the points and then like whoever has whichever school has the most points wins the tournament it's like winning a track meter winning a wrestling exactly um so we were like well if we're not doing policy debate that's just points on the board that first off we're not getting anything out of and second off other schools are just able to get easy points so it's like let's just try and eat away at their points at the very least and maybe we can also get some points out of it um so that's what we did so this year we had two novice teams and doing policy debate and I kind of took policy under my wing. Um, and I tried to learn a little bit about it. Um, I read some articles, but like, I, I still don't even know anything about it. Um, and it was really just like, Hey, I found these resources on policy debate. Here you go. Here is some, there's these data. So there are debate camps that happen each summer. Um, which if you want to talk about equity and debate, I could go on and on forever about how these are harming the system but the nice thing about it is they make all of their um info information files or their data files available for free online so i was like hey here are all these camp files um from these debate camps and i'm like you know what y'all just run with this and try and figure it out and so at the first tournament of the year the novice tournament um it was a round robin we had one team who went oh and five and we had another team that went five and oh oh wow so, and they, they had a lot of this exact same information and it was just like figuring it out. And so I was like, all right. And then after the term, I was like, all right, talk to each other. Let's, let's figure <laughs> what out. What did you do? Let's, exactly. Let's figure out, um, what we each can do. Um, and now that, that team that went 0 five, they have become some incredible debaters, um, and have really dedicated themselves to the event. Um, one of them is like, we were, we were at the state championships and they were, were done. They went. I think they, they made it to quarterfinals in policy debate. Uh, the other team actually made it to finals. It was incredible. Um, but the, the team that went 0-5, they made it to quarterfinals. Um, so they were done about by like noon on, on Saturday. And I come back from doing my, one of my uh, rounds. And I look over and I see, see one of them just like typing away on his computer. And I go over and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm working on my case for next year. Wow. We left the state championship in Oak Grove. And he had a, first, a rough draft of his case for next year. Wow. Um, so it's like not letting someone first off beat themselves up over going Oh, and five, but just like, let's learn from each other. Yeah. Let's figure this out together. Cause again, like I, I was trying to take this under my wing, but I was like, I, I, I don't know anything about this. I can tell you general debate strategies. I can tell you like, you gotta have an impact to win or else like, you're not going to be able to win. Cause it's like, why should anyone vote for you? If you can't enumerate to them, why, the, the bad things that are going to happen if they vote for the other side. Um, but again, just letting them figure it out on their own. Which is, again, it's good stuff for teaching. I mean, let, helping, like giving structure. I mean, you're not just saying go nut, but giving some tools, giving some guidance, giving some guardrails that allow the, uh, a place to play. Right? Exactly. Um, and then also, too, that allows them to have a little bit of motivation there as well because they're having some ownership of it. Yeah. So um, I also saw some other things, some lessons I learned from judging. Okay. Um, and had multiple opportunities to judge uh, this past year and year and a half maybe. And more this year than any year. But um, the thing that I learned, and again, kind of like connecting it to assessment, right? And so assessing is gathering information and making a value judgment, uh, assessment and then evaluation. So, and again, we're having a, a rubric. So there's a leaning on the description of success. So for example, for I'd never judged a Congress um, event before. And so having the 
NSDA supplied a rubric that described success and then leaning on that rubric was, was good. Um, then also having like a, and a way to do sustainable quality practice. So for example, I think I had to do what, three rounds of Congress. These uh, are, at the tournament we hosted or no, that I just did. Oh, just did two. Yeah. Eight. You did three rounds. Yeah. Three rounds. And they were two and a half, two and a half hours or three, three? and a half. What? Yeah, they were long, yeah. right? And so over that, you'd probably listen to how many speeches would there be? Forty? No, six, eighty, like around eight. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, typically there would be like yeah, forty around forty around, um, typically around forty around, and then yeah, multiply that with three, so it's like one hundred twenty speeches. Yeah, yeah. So think about that. And so for every speech, I would have to give a rating to. Yes. And like knowing that I've got. 80 of these things how do i do it in a way that i can you know give them notes give them some feedback give them a rating and then also be ready for the next speech yeah because i can't go i mean i can't go back and remember everyone's speech oh yeah like it's just impossible and so do i have some shorthand for things i use did i have some things i used over and over again yes i did so i had some copy and pasting did i have the rubric and underline things that i was looking for also thinking about you know, they have a certain amount of time that they have to do. Was I incorporating time, the timing into my uh, feedback as well? And then what would be, you know, the measures of quality of success? And so having all that, it was like, it just made me think back to when I started teaching where I was, you know, if I handed out an assignment to my freshman class, my freshman math class, I knew that that assignment was multiplied by a hundred kids mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. So if I was going to take two minutes on to look at this, you know, yeah, this assignment, multiply that by a hundred, right? And so thinking about, well, what is what are some ways to give feedback in a sustainable way? And I've talked about that in the podcast before. And if you want, you can email me at joel at amazonplanet.com and I could give you some more uh, information on that as well. But, you know, having a way to do sustainable quality practice. And then uh, finally, the one thing that I think is, is really important, especially in this sort of event is or at these speech and debate events is this idea of checking your bias. And yes. every time we go into these events, there's always these things like, Hey, make sure you're checking your bias. Like, do you go in to, uh, and a speech and debate round and have assumptions about, uh, who's going to win before you even heard an argument and to just be honest about that and like to put them out there. So be like, Hey, what are some assumptions I already have? Let's check them. Let's put them, let's, name them and put them off to the side so that you can actually come in with an open mind and then go back to the other way, listen and expect brilliance from both sides of, of the competition. Cause you know, there might be some things where, you know, either, even too, when you hear someone, you know, someone says or does something before the round even begins, am I even bringing that into the, no, 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 let's set that off to the side. And I'm just looking at what they're doing within the performance. And I think that's something I, that over and over again, I see that and almost like when I'm teaching, I almost want to do that too. Like, am I going in with an open mind to expect brilliance? Even if like I had an interact, like a, you know, a, as a high school math teacher where I'd have a, you know, an interaction that was a little rough with the previous day with a student, am I going in expecting the same thing or am I going in with an open mind and saying, all right, how do I, how do I have an open mind to say like today's a day where some awesome things are going to happen? Yeah. Well, yeah like I, I think one of the, the greatest emails I've ever seen in my speech and debate history was at the, um, <clears throat> Bless you. At the uh, at the NCFL Grand National Tournament last year, 
2022 in uh, DC, uh, there was an email sent out. It was like, judges are competitors. If you walk into a round and realize that you ran into your, uh, if, that you were in a uh, elevator with your like judge, or like you saw them like, like or like you, you walk past each other in the hallway of like your hotel or something like say something like sw- we can we can switch judges around like like just trying to trying to um get ahead of like every like first impressions mean a lot and it's mm-hmm. like do you really want to be judged by the person who saw you with your raucous teammates at 3am in the morning or hopefully not 3am in the morning yeah but um but who were making a scuffle in the uh the elevator and just tr- again checking those biases and making sure that they aren't um being affected into the judging. Yeah. That's good. All right. So I, I had some lessons on learning how to teach better that I extracted from my speech and debate experience. Like, is there anything I missed? What, what would you say? Like if you had lessons that you learned on how to teach better, because I think again, as a captain and like, and all your captains, like I think you all have figured out how to create success and which is cool. Cause even hearing um, Tommy this past year, who's an underclassman is going to be an, an upperclassman coming up. He was talking about how he could learn from his experience at this national tournament in order to turn it into things he can share to the underclassmen coming up, which I thought was amazing. It just meant that I think that the, what you all are doing as a speech and debate uh, crew is, is successful, but what lessons have you learned on how to teach better that you, that maybe I missed or something I, you want to underline? Yeah. I think just always learning. Because that's, a, again, a unique thing about speech and debate is, like, the people who often do, or at least in, in at Oxford High School, the people who do the most coaching are our captains. Um, that's just, that's the way we run it. We're student-run. Um, and so we are, we, are, we are also competitors. We're also learning every single, single tournament. We also give each other feedback to the other captains in our room and be like, hey, like, this is something, hey, help, like, let each other here, fix your case about this. Work on your speech tactic like this. In all of this, we're always helping each other, um, but we're also active competitors, and we're also learning ourselves. And so that's one thing. It's like we as captains need to never think that we are high and mighty and know everything there is to know about this event because the thing is we're not. Um, we don't walk out of every tournament with a win. Um, we don't know the best way to debate each round or to speak each round, or there are many events that we haven't done. Um, and so we ourselves need to make sure that we're always open to learn and to grow and to get better ourselves in order to then help help our younger uh, teammates get better. Awesome. Anything else that you want to share before uh, we sign off here? Um, I think I'm good. All right. Noah, thanks for... Uh, Visiting Amazon Planet? Yeah, I don't I know. I'm in, I'm in my bed right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, all right. Thanks, Noah. All right. Go Big Green. There we go. There's my conversation with my son, Noah Amidon, who's going to be off to Dartmouth in the fall. It's just excited about that. Um, he's, he's just done really well for himself. So, again, humble brag. Um, just a uh, proud dad. Let's just say that. Proud dad. Um, and, and none of the things, again, I'll just echo something I said in the episode. None of the things we mentioned are really, like, mind-blowing with regards to teaching. Like, those are best practices for teaching, but sometimes they get ignored. Like one with the, the, 
empowering students to make mistakes, like giving permission for students to make mistakes and giving them power in learning from those mistakes versus like cutting it off before they even make it those mistake, stealing the aha from them because it might be, oh, there might be a struggle there. Struggle's okay. We've talked about this podcast plenty of times about struggle being okay. It's just how you position it. Is it an opportunity to learn or is it just something to be that shows um, a lack of capacity, which it's okay. It's a lack of capacity yet, right? And so that's it, it, it's okay to struggle and it's okay to ha- make mistakes. And so again, not that we're making, we're you know plowing new ground, but it's just something that I think needs to be echoed. And there's some lessons learned here, especially given that this team has experienced a, a lot of success um, over the past few weeks, but then over the past years as well. So um, excited for Noah, excited for what opportunities he has ahead of them, and excited for the Oxford Speech and Debate team. I saw some awesome stuff and excited for where they're going to be going uh, in the future. So um, that's about it for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Uh, show notes for this, and I think uh, maybe put some connections to maybe NSDA, NCFL, in case people are wondering about uh, speech and debate. Um, and maybe you... If you're interested in, in supporting your local speech and debate teams, I would do so. And especially, too, if you've never thought about having uh, your child or yourself uh, compete in speech and debate. I just seen so much in the benefits with regards to confidence, with regards to ability to speak in front of others, which, you know, that's a lot of people put that fear up there above a lot of things uh, of, of public speaking. And then also, too, just the confidence in writing and, and preparation and like lots of good Lots of good practices for life that happen there. So anyway, uh, there'll be links in the show notes at uh, amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 84. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can uh, submit a question, comment, or suggestion to the mailbag by sending an email to joel at amadonplanet.com. We got some episodes coming up that are directly from those suggestions, so I appreciate that. Um, and also, too, there might be some breaks in between trying to have a summer and, um, you know, there's been a, a while between the last episode and, again, trying to do some self-care. Um, and so, you know, not feeling guilty about not putting out a bunch of free episodes of something, but, uh, you know, I want to put out episodes. I enjoy it. And I I think about putting out episodes a lot. So, um, want to make sure to get those out. But if you have suggestions for an episode, uh, I appreciate you sending them, but you can send it to joel at amadonplanet.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode, uh, or any episode that you want, which will allow more people looking for similar content to find it. Uh, as always, you can follow at Amadon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. In addition, you can subscribe to the Amadon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Amadon Planet. Anywhere you see, join the email list on amadonplanet.com is a place where you can get access to the Amadon Planet download when it gets released periodically. Finally, you can check out the Amadon Planet store, Amadon Planet bookshop. Links are in the footer at amadonplanet.com where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. Thank you for spending time on Amazon Planet. Thanks to uh, Noah for sharing his time and expertise. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there for learning out there learning to teach. Finally, thank you to all of you out there learning to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.